Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. That's how 40,000 acres that got burned because some Ding Dong did that. I think that survival TV has sensationalized these words. We need to get away from this word prepping because it, it has such a negative connotation to so many. And the people that feel positively about it are usually just hobbyists. That's my opinion, mm-hmm. and it hurts a lot of feelings, too. And quite frankly, I don't care. Zombies have caused problems for us. We have removed the humanity mm-hmm. of some of our entertainment options. When I think of the survivalist mindset, I think of that guy that will just assume not carry a bug-out bag but kill you for yours. There is no phone or purse, and there's nothing in your house that's more important than your life. My part finally! Hey guys, welcome to the Survival Show Podcast, number three, with Craig and me, David, and producer Ben, where it's our job to take you step-by-step through the mindset, skills, tactics, and gear you need to survive almost any crisis, emergency, or disaster, and we'll show you how to use the lessons you learned today to thrive in your life tomorrow. Guys, I'm really stoked for this show. Craig, how are you doing today? That's what I really want to know. That's what everybody wants to know. I'll give you one guess what I did this morning. What did you do this morning? Actually, I haven't talked to you all week. What, what have you been doing, and what did you do this morning? I had a workout, man. I got a text from you at 5.32 in the morning. What is up with that? Were you on the treadmill at that time? Yeah. I've been up. At 5.32, I've already been up for an hour and a half, my friend. I'm just telling you. That's why the text that I got from you last night at 9.30 did not go answered, because I was asleep. <laughs> Early to bed, early to rise. Have you heard that before? That's what I do too. You go to bed at See? Hey, you get up at two out of three. That says something right there, David. Come on. Hey, listen, I get more done after nine o'clock at night than most people get done all day. I just want to tell you that. It is true. He's kind of an anomaly. You're an army of one, right? Is that what you're saying? All right, so let, let's talk about what we're going to do together here, guys. Uh, our mission for everybody listening is to help you progressively increase your survival IQ so that you leave out of here better prepared at the end of the show than when you were at the beginning. So thanks for being here. Uh, coming up, what we're going to be talking about today is prepping. We will be discussing what it is and what it is not from our perspective. And then we'll de- deconstruct a real-life survival story. Before we dig into all that, we'll, uh, we'll make sure that producer Ben comes up with a good question for us from the mailbag. And I think it's worth our while because we are rocking this thing over on iTunes. And I think it'd be worth our while to discuss how everybody can take advantage of what's over on Patreon. So, David, won't you tell everybody and, and all of us what's going on there? Got it. Got it. Yeah. So to get the most out of this podcast, go subscribe to The Survival Show over at Patreon. So it's patreon.com forward slash The Survival Show to access the show notes. We've got action steps in there. We've got kit checklists and gear links that we discuss in the show. And then from the show notes, this is really important, guys. Like, we're not doing this just because we'd like more work. But the show notes are actually, you can build them out over time, three-hole punch them, put them in a notebook, and kind of make your own complete survival and preparedness reference binder as you go. And to unlock exclusive content, great rewards, and ways to get involved with the survival show, including early bird access to new gear and resources go to patreon.com the survival show guys we need you to go sign up now and join the community craig do you have anything more to say about patreon before we get into all this i think there there has been some question i know i had a, a student of ours that asked me about this he he's a real big fan of the podcast we and that's another thing we need to talk about we've got some fantastic reviews over on itunes as well as 28 five-star reviews so with all that said. Oh, can I kick in on this, Craig? Yeah, please. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So we we launched not long ago, and within a day, we actually hit the top 10 in our category over at iTunes. So I want to thank all you guys yeah, for absolutely. your support, for your thumbs up. And I just want to emphasize what Craig just said, that your reviews and your ratings and your comments over there, especially on iTunes, because 
70 to 80 percent of people listen over at iTunes. They are really important as far as ratings and and uh, getting more people to listen because you know we're all about effectively helping you guys out and having you be better prepared and they encourage our little hearts yeah no joke with that said let's let me get back to patreon because i don't want to get too far off because i want to dig into this prepping stuff today is uh we i hope it's evident to everybody listening we're doing everything that we can uh david mentioned those show notes Uh, i kind of wrote a good portion of that and had no idea what his vision was until i saw him for the first time and i was like holy mackerel that's a i would love to have that so uh, we hope you like them. We hope you appreciate the effort we're putting into what we're doing here. But we need your help for sure. Uh, we want you to be part of this community. And, and the way you do that is you go to Patreon. Uh, again, patreon.com forward slash the survival show. Listen, there's a lot of options there for you. There's a lot of free stuff, the podcast, obviously. Uh, but there's a $1 a month option. Come on. $1 a month. Who doesn't have a dollar a month? $5 a month. So we'd really appreciate you just getting on to Patreon, uh, throw us some love, do us, as Ben said, do our heart, little hearts some good, and uh, just join Give our us community. Some love. <laughs> join our community at a dollar to five dollars a month. I mean, seriously, it's twelve dollars a year. Uh, we would love to have you do that, and that definitely lets us know that what we're doing is what you need, and uh, we'll keep doing more of it. So thank you very much for those who have already signed up, which is fantastic. We've already got people that are joining us over there and we'd love to have you join us as well with that said i'm ready to i'm ready to get into it boys let's do it david what do you think all right man let's get into it so last time we had creek stewart and we talked about everything bug out so if if you missed the last episode, you need to go back and rewind and listen to that, get the show notes like Craig was saying. But today, we're covering the topic of prepping. For our purposes, we define prepping to mean the act of preparing ahead of time to stay in your home or current location through a worst-case scenario event. To do this, we're going to talk about several topics. What is prepping? What is staying home? Or should we stay home? Should we bug out? How to make a plan? Building a kit? and home security, and I'm sure we'll cover some other topics along the way. Yeah, absolutely. I know I was right before we started recording, I was reading some of the news articles about this thing in Alaska and this huge earthquake, and and I think there's some things that we definitely need to to bring up about that because it's so timely. But I think the first thing that we need to make sure that we do is discuss what is prepping, compare that with what is disaster preparedness, disaster readiness, survival, and so many other buzzwords are out there. So with that in mind, David, what what do you what is to you what is prepping? Yeah, I think prepping's just for for me, it's really the first line of what what really needs to happen for me to be responsible for myself, for my community and especially for my family. And as we already said, it's it's staying home at your current location. We talked about this quite a bit with Creek, and we all came to a consensus that you're always going to stay home unless there's danger that's imminent and your current situation really forces you to leave. Or maybe you don't have sufficient skill and resources to preserve life, liberty, or property at home. I think most importantly, and, and you mentioned this last week also, Craig, if you're directed to evacuate by authorities, you you need to do that. But if those three things aren't really calling you, you really need to be prepared to weather a storm and stay home. And when you say storm, I think you're saying that figuratively, but it could also mean literally. So this, uh, I was looking at, and I know I keep going to it, but it's just so in my face right before we started recording this thing that's happened in in Alaska, this huge earthquake. And there was a, a photo of a car that was literally in the middle of a interstate and there were deep crevasses all the way around this car. I mean, completely surrounding it. Meaning, you know, we don't know. I don't know the the particulars of that situation, but is that person still in that car? Can they leave? Can they get out? When I say crevasse, it looks like something that's a hundred feet deep and and it's about 10 to 15 foot across. So that person might be stuck in that car. Do you have in your car what it takes to be able to hang out there until somebody can come and get you. 
And, you know, that's, that's prepping, that's preparing in my mind. That's a really good point, Craig. That's a really good point. Yeah. Well, and the reason I bring this up, this topic being the first one is what is prepping and on and on and on is it seems like, and and I've talked about this in, in our community, in our classes so many times that the word prepping has somewhat of a negative connotation for the average individual that doesn't do anything with it at all. Okay. And so what I want to do is, is I want to make sure a a good friend of mine, an author, Jim Cobb, he's, he's fantastic. If you don't know Jim, look, look up his, his books, everybody listening. Uh, and I've already talked to Jim by the way, too, guys, and we're going to get him on sometime. He, he calls it disaster readiness because that's what it is. And, and for example, this car in the middle of this interstate, that is being ready for disaster. Uh, the truck, the Toyota truck that the, the that we'll talk about later in the fire, driving and, and taking people, this nurse, taking people to safety, that's disaster readiness. You know, what would have happened if, you know, it, prepping is not the tinfoil hat stuff. It's just making sure you got at least a quarter tank of gas in your vehicle at all times so that you can get away if you need to get in and leave. And And I think all that falls under disaster readiness. Survival, in my opinion, is is basically where you're you're thrust into that. And anymore, you're in the middle of it. Anymore, it seems like people are doing survival as a hobby. And uh, that, I think, is very unfortunate. Uh, very unfortunate because people are not taking it as serious as they need, in my opinion. What, what do you think about that? So you really stepped in over from prepping. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to stand corrected on that because you're right. I mean, you've, you're really talking about everyday carry. You're talking about... I guess we kind of have all these terms that kind of mean a, a a certain thing to a certain demographic of people, but we're just talking about all around being ready. So you can, you can weather anything wherever, wherever you're at. Maybe the thing to say is that bugging out is leaving a known location, going to another place because you can't stay in, in your current location where everything else would fall under disaster preparedness. Not that bugging out wouldn't be, but prepping, you know, prepping your car. I prepare differently when I go on a, on a trip, depending where I'm going. I have different kits and, and things that I add. If I'm going more than 100 miles from my house, then if I'm going down the street. Can I ask a question? Yeah, go ahead, man. As me, as a younger generation, like when I hear prepping and bug out, I think like old hillbillies up in the hills, like how do we get the younger generation prepared and excited to do this? As we progress in years, <laughs> the younger generation is going to become the older generation. And if they're not excited to do this or be prepared, they're not going to do this. I think it brings two things to mind, Ben. First is that I think we, I, I sincerely at this point, I think we need to get away from this word prepping because it, it has such a negative connotation to so many. And yeah. the people that feel positively about it are usually just hobbyists. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. And it hurts a lot of feelings too. And quite frankly, I don't care if it hurts feelings because I've had so many people that, that uh, have picked up my books or wrote me or, or emailed me or follow us on social media that talk to me about prepping and, and you know, they've, I don't know, they know you can use honey in a wound or something and they feel like they know something. When, you know, being able to put a tourniquet on in a car accident is, is disaster readiness, but it's not prepping. Uh, they would rather stick a tampon in a wound that's just, you know, blowing blood and think they're going to do something because that's what preppers do. And again, they're, I'm sorry, but they're foolish if they think it's going to stop a, a bleed from happening because it's not. It's not going to stop that bleed from happening. Can I throw something in here, Craig? No. <laughs> <laughs> Ben, I want to circle back around to your question, but I want to throw something in here that just came up in my mind that I, I think that survival TV, now some I think some of it's been good. We almost have this whole genre of TV now that has sensationalized these words, like for instance, prepping. So you have doomsday preppers and you know whatever whatever we can do that that really brings imagination and fascination. On the other side, you have this romantic notion of being an epic nomad and bugging out, but it's just not like that. So Craig, I think you're exactly right. I, I think prepping is actually a not a, it's not a great word. Maybe it's just too sensationalized at this point. Being prepared, I, I think that's disaster preparedness. Ben, I would maybe kick back to you and say, 
So you hear the word prepping or bugging out or whatever. I know you have a young family. What what causes you to want to be prepared? I think, you know, just seeing things in the news, listening to this podcast is very educational for me because like I said, I don't know a whole lot. I'm just a tech guy, you know, seeing real people having to survive and not doing a great job of it because they weren't prepared kind of inspires me to be prepared. Listening to Creek just talk about having extra fuel just for or a heater extra heater like what would happen because i live in town what would happen if the electric went out my family would freeze because i don't have the prepared mindset as of right now my guess is too ben that a lot of people your age will be and go ahead and tell everybody how old you are yeah i'm 27 going on 28 so pretty young yeah so a lot of your people a lot of your people (laughs) a lot (laughs) lot of us (laughs) so a lot of people your age don't consider this thing because they're 10 foot tall and bulletproof up at that point in their lives but the thing that does exactly we go to the gym and work out nothing can hurt us <laughs> why does gym why does gym stuff keep coming up i don't know guys i mean you started anyway. it in podcast one. i know, I know. That's, my fault. that's my fault so go ahead craig but here here's where i think people like you start thinking about it ben and that's when they have kids uh-huh because they're, yep. they're looking at the person that's not 10 foot tall and bulletproof at all they're so dependent and so they have to consider it and they have to consider everything that surrounds that that little person that's not 10 foot tall and bulletproof. And so uh, that doesn't mean that we have to have a child to understand the importance of uh, disaster readiness, but I think it, it is imperative upon people like me to try to reach people that are younger. Um, one thing that I try to do is I try to talk about earthquakes here in Kentucky because nobody in, our, in Kentucky thinks that earthquakes can happen. And when I explained to them what happened in 1812 here, where, you know, the whole state was basically rocked to the point that most of the big cities fell to the ground, then then people wake up a little bit and they at least think about it. I, I don't know what the answer is, though, uh, other than, you know, trying to make a podcast that reaches a younger demographic. So I'm glad we're doing it. Yeah, I think you keyed in on something really important, Craig, and that's seasons of life. We've talked about that before. And Ben, I just think you're in a season of life where... Uh, your care for other people exceeds your care for yourself. And I, I think, honestly, it, it's just the way it is in some ways. But saying that, I do know a lot of younger people. I think Craig and I both have audiences and have done training where a lot of young people are interested in being prepared more. Maybe it's just the terms that we use sometimes that turn people off. Yeah, exactly. I'm serious, you all. I mean, in this, I think this word prepping, I think it's negative at this point. I think the word survival's kind of sexy because of TV and everything that it's done to it. But it seems like, I mean, I know, I know a guy that was on Dues and Day Preppers. He's a friend of mine. He, he runs his own school and they made him out to be a, a fool on that show. And he, and this guy's probably one of the smartest people I know in survival and disaster readiness. I discussed it with him at length about how unfortunate it was that his, his school really suffered from it. I mean, people that were or normally would have gone to a school are not going to a school now because they made them out to be stupid. And it's just, TV does that, man. It's all about selling commercials. It's, it's, it's unfortunate. Let me throw this out there real quick for you listeners. That's why you need to go and support us on Patreon so that we're not beholden to somebody. <laughs> <So> <laughs> the only people that we're beholden to is you supporters. So we'll do everything we can to, to make it right. Yeah, so I think we beat up pretty good on the word prepping and bugging out. I want to throw in one other one other thing, maybe two other things on bugging out and on why you shouldn't do it unless you absolutely have to get out. And I think Ben Ben made me think of this is that that bugging out, moving from where you are, the elderly, the disabled, families, children, that's a really tough that's a tough tough road. And I think the other thing, and this gets gets back to this romantic notion of being an epic bug out nomad, is that something people don't consider is if you're taking a vehicle and you have to bug out and it's it's really generally a a disaster, that at some point you're probably gonna run out of gas. You may get a punctured tire, so you want to know how to fix that. Something that people don't consider is weight. When I was thinking about this podcast, there was an article I wrote a couple of years ago where people have this idea that they're going to carry everything from their house on their back. And the bottom line is the average person really can only carry about 15% of their body weight. 
So let's just say that you're that you're about 160 pounds. That's 24 pounds of gear. And when you come right down to it, Craig, especially in the wintertime, how much gear is 24 pounds? <laughs> You'll hear us talk all the time about mindset, skills, tactics, and gear. If you if you think you're going to bug out and you're not normally is doing as close a proximity to bugging out, meaning you're not throwing that 25, 30, or 40 pounds on your back and, and walking somewhere with it, then you're not going to be able to bug out. That's all there is to it. And the other part that I think comes up in the survival prepping community, and this is a major problem, is, is and I wrote a bunch of articles years ago about how to do exactly this, but you, a lot of people are lone wolves, you know, and not that women don't prep. They, there's a considerable amount of very talented people that do disaster readiness that are female. But the overall majority of people that go to a class or get online or in forums or make videos – that, you know, they're 80 to 90% of them are male. You know, that's, that's pretty much across the board in the survival community. And I always ask these guys, do you plan on just walking away from your family or what? Or what, what are you doing with your wife and kids? Or what are you doing with your girlfriend? Or, you know, and a lot of them are like, well, they don't like all this stuff. And I'm like, well, then are you a fool? Are you just going to, are you just going to abandon your family? And, and they just don't, they look at me like they're gut shot because preparedness to them is nothing more than a hobby. They don't really think about it. Their family's not going to go with them. That is a huge mistake when considering a bug out. I want to throw out one more word here, Craig, and get your impression on it. And that's survival list. What comes up in your mind when you meant, when you hear that term? It makes me cringe. I had a guy the other day, I write an article for my local paper, and those articles are family-oriented, nature awareness type articles, you know, six, seven hundred words. It's one it's one day a week. And this guy that I sorry, I'm gonna do it again. This guy <laughs> that I work out with <laughs> or better yet, he works out at the same time I do. There was a there was a new person in the gym and he introduced that person to me. And said, he's a survivalist. And I thought, are you kidding me? I mean, because in my mind, survivalist is much like what Ben described earlier as some dude that's up in the hills. One of the things I'm involved with is helping to train federal law enforcement officers man tracking. And every guy that they end up going off and having to go up into the woods and, and hunt down because he's killed somebody or some nonsense they always call that dude a survivalist. I'm not a survivalist. I do not like that word at all. I don't, I cringe at it. No, I'm not a fan of that word at all. What about you? I'm assuming you're the no, same way. No, 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 no. I guess in my mind, and you and I get plenty of feedback, I probably get a, between the two of us, we probably get a thousand comments a day on our videos and articles and everything like that. But I, when I think of the survivalist mindset, I think of that guy that's a, that is the lone wolf that guy will that will just assume not carry a bug out bag but kill you for yours and do whatever he needs to do to ensure his survival without concern for others that's what happens in my mind when i hear that word i have a facebook group i'm also part of a group just for uh, administrators of Facebook groups. What we regularly do in that administrative group is uh, we share people that come into our groups and try to do crazy stuff. And I actually don't get a lot of that because my group is more nature-oriented, wilderness-oriented. But the guys that are administrators in prepper groups, the stuff that people come on there and say just blows my mind. Mm -hmm. And and they and they talking about the stuff that you just mentioned at all at all cost. I'm gonna. I'm going to keep what's mine. And the question I always have for that person that comes to one, you know, if I'm teaching a library program, I always have one of those guys in there. And they'll, and the oftentimes, usually after the program, they'll say something to me. And my question for them is this, what if that person that comes to your house to get some food is a seven-year-old little girl? Are you just going to shoot her in the face and not do anything for her? Because that, I mean, I think we have this mindset. Well, here in Kentucky, our governor took flack for saying that zombies have caused problems for us uh, having a heart for other people. And it, it was definitely something that people gave him a lot of grief for, but I agree with him. Without a doubt, I agree with him. I think that zombies and horror flicks and all this stuff that, that goes along where we kill people mm -hmm. and we chop their heads off and all the things mm -hmm. that go along with us, we, we have removed the humanity Mm -hmm. of some of our entertainment options. It also just basically puts us in a position where, you know, particularly with zombies, uh, where we're regularly chopping somebody's head off or some nation in a game or on a, on a movie or whatever, then we've removed the humanity. It could very well be our elderly neighbor that needs help. I'm not going to bring harm to that person. That's, mm -hmm. that's where we lose our humanity, and we can't. In my opinion, we cannot allow that to happen. Those are really good points, Craig.
Those are really good points. So I think we hit this. <laughs> I think we hit this uh, prepping survivalist uh, bugging out basically what it is, what it is not, and some cautions pretty well. What would you say the next, maybe the next step in this conversation would be? Well, I think the people need to listen to what we're saying and then try to develop a plan. They need to start at least thinking about what we're saying. And not that we're the end all to beat all, but at least we're getting the conversation started. So I think people need to make that plan. And I bring that up because one of the resources we have over on Patreon is a disaster preparedness checklist, how to go ahead and make a plan. It's literally a checklist that you can go down. What tier is that on, David? Disaster plan checklist. So that is the $15 tier. That's the Marshall level three. You know, it's something that uh, for those that are listening, David and I put together uh, and and basically what I know, everybody knows, it's hard. Where do you start? Well, mm-hmm. we've got something there for you to start. And again, we're trying to do it in such a way that it's affordable to people to be able to get in on that. we got to make a living. I like win-wins. If all we ever do is the free stuff, then then it's difficult for us to continue doing what we're doing. So we want to help people get started really well. And I think that's a really good point, Craig. When I started really wanting to improve my skills and help my family be prepared more, I had a I had a mishmash of life skills in, in different places that I, I've lived. And we both talked about kind of our pedigree and how we got to where we are in Podcast Zero. But what kept coming up to me was, this is so complicated. I am so unprepared. And there's so many things that I don't have. And there's so many things I don't know. And this podcast and the uh, disaster readiness plan checklist. What we're really trying to do is simplify survival. That's what this podcast is all about, helping you guys know what your first steps need to be. So let's talk a little bit more about this plan thing. Let's give some people two or three points from this checklist. You want to? All right, let's do that. I like taking care of the people that take care of me. So I'm going to to help them out. Well, I think I think a plan first of all, it needs to be simple. It needs to be, we're we're all busy. First, just think simple. And the thing that I like to tell people is start where you're at. Do kind of a self-analysis. What is your current preparedness level? List some strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and threats. That's the SWOT analysis thing, right? Right. Yeah. And I think if you just sit down for an hour and look at that sort of stuff, you will start to form out really what you need for where you're at. Like nobody can come up with a plan for you because nobody's in your particular situation with your particular skills at this particular time in history. Right. So I'm looking at this disaster readiness plan checklist and I'm going to give the listeners, and again, this is part of the subscription, but I'm going to give you the top three because I think this is somewhat common sense, but it's just, if you're not aware, here's some things you can do. Number one, Write down the things that are most likely to happen as far as disasters concerned in your area. Okay, that that's a big one. And if you don't know what those are, let's say you move to an area that you're unfamiliar with, then go to your emergency management. Most states have some sort of an emergency management contingent that is responsible for helping people. The second would be learn the ways that emergency management notifies people. Is there texting? Is there some kind of siren? Is there some kind of uh, radio communication? And the last would be write down everybody's phone numbers. I do that a lot in self-defense too, is teach people that they need to know their family's phone numbers in case something happens with the cell coverage or their phone or what have you. And they actually need to call somebody without their own cell phone because we're so used to doing that. I say those things, those are three out of about, what, 30 or 40 things we got here on this disaster readiness plan checklist. So again, that's, that's something that if you're interested in that, you need to get in on it. And those three things right there are a good start. Uh, like you were talking about that SWOT analysis. When did we discuss that, David? We actually have not discussed SWOT. What, okay. Why don't you take people through SWOT? Because I, that's a that's SWOT analysis is actually used in business, and that's where I first heard of it. Okay, but it it applies in almost any situation like this. So can you just run through SWOT real quick? Because I think that will really help people to start to uh, look at their situation in an objective and clear way. Yeah. And again, this is, this is very, very applicable to disaster readiness, but as David said, you can use it for uh, developing a, a ball team, you know, a baseball team, if you're a coach, or you can utilize it for developing a classroom, if you're a teacher of some sort. But basically SWAT is an acronym that represents strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. The first thing you want to do is you recognize what your strengths are. And what's heavily involved in this is you understanding how to control your own ego. We all have strengths and there can be some false humility that gets in the way of us recognizing what our strengths are. We need to recognize that. We need to know what our weaknesses are. And this is huge, huge for people to be able to understand how to control their ego because 
it's difficult for us and it's actually very natural for us to not want to recognize our weaknesses. We have to work at it, but if we understand what our weaknesses are, then we can then address them and recognize what kind of things that we need to do to overcome what those weaknesses are. Opportunities are basically the elements in all of our environments that we can utilize to take advantage of the situation. And I'm not saying negatively take advantage. I'm just saying, look at a situation and know, Hey, there's a place that I could probably gather food from and threats is definitely obviously disaster related threats that could be anything related to people that might be aggressive towards us areas that might have aggressive people in them so that we can avoid them the weather is a huge one that you know particularly for you guys up there in in the northern part of the country you know weather can happen pretty quickly up there such as cold weather like boom you you get this come in and now you've got 12 inches of snow that you didn't have yesterday uh, that's a threat. I mean, if, if I, as a Kentuckian, that more often than not, we don't get 12 inches of snow in a whole year, I go to Pennsylvania and I don't contact emergency management or have a friend that can tell me, then that happens, then I am I might be in trouble quick. That's my breakdown. Thanks for throwing that up on me, man. I sound, you, you threw us, you threw, <laughs> you talk about a curveball that I just knocked out of the park. I just did it. I told you I have some surprises <laughs> for you. That's That's not even it, man. Let's go. Um, let me just throw in some more things on planning and yeah. Okay. So, so you guys are either going to need to get the, the show notes right now. The first couple episodes are just up free after, after a while. I just want you guys to see the value of the show, the guide notes. That's why they're up for free. Eventually they're going to, gosh, they're going to cost you a buck a month. Rats. Oh my. <laughs> oh man. But I think after uh, two or three of these, you guys are going to see the value here. But I want to throw out a couple of things. So either write fast, <laughs> get the show notes, uh, and or get this disaster readiness plan checklist. But some things you need to consider when you're planning are, obviously, you need to consider shelter. And we're going to talk a lot about shelter in the future. But you got to maintain your core body temperature, keep yourself reasonably comfortable and you don't want to get sick and all that sort of stuff. Plus, shelter provides protection from others. And we're actually still, we're going to talk about home safety, uh, security, and defense here in this podcast. So you want to consider shelter. Water is a big thing. Water is a really big thing. Power, heat, communication, food, safety. Again, we're going to talk about security. Uh, gear, essential gear, various resources, and of course, knowledge and skills. And one thing I'm just going to kind of preload our discussion here on home safety and security. That's where we get away from this whole mindset of survivalist or even prepper where I've got my my food for you know the next 14 years, but where we're actually forming partnerships and friendships with those around us because if something really happens, we're going to need each other, right? Yeah. I mean, I think people need to start now determining who they feel comfortable helping them when they, who they don't and, and get rid of this idea that it's going to be some aggressive people that are trying to kill you. Cause more often than not in those situations, it's, it's not somebody will disagree with me and, and I'm going to, I'm just going, I'm sorry. I'm just going to call you out on it because I'm in the business, literally in the business of being contracted by the federal government to train first responders that go into these disaster zones and part of me doing that and training people, I'm privy to how those things go down. And I can tell you that it does happen. People get aggressive. There are people that take advantage of it and use weapons and stuff. But the the biggest, if you want to look at it this way or consider it this way, the biggest threat are people that are not trying to kill you and just the elements and you being taken care of your own self. So I think people need to consider that as far as their home defense and security. And, you know, and here's a, here's an approach. My responsibility is to my family. And so I've got things to help take care of my family. And I have in my own mind, went, went through a checklist of what I have that I will utilize for my family and what things that I have that I can give to people that may need assistance. And there's some things that there is no way just just to be frank, there's no way that I'm going to give to other people because my family is my number one priority. So as far as defense and security, obviously you need to be able to uh, not be incredibly vocal about what all you have to people. You also need to be considerate of your avoidance and awareness. Can you avoid problems? Uh, can you, are, are you have awareness? We had a situation today where one of the UPS drivers was dropping off a package at the front of the house and, 
And the person that dropped it off, which was really strange, showed up with in a personal vehicle. It wasn't the UPS truck, and they weren't in a UPS uniform. And so when they get there, they're looking at our house and kind of scoping it out, and I'm looking right at them going, who is scoping my house out? <laughs> you know, this is, but that's because I'm aware of who is at my house. I'm paying attention. And then I recognize, hey, they're just bringing a package. It's no big deal. But it was awareness of the situation that that uh, if that was a bad actor, if that was somebody that was getting ready to break into my house, I was aware that they were getting ready to break in my house. Uh, a good friend of mine who is a tactical instructor the other day remarked that the guy that checks his meter, his electric meter, he saw him in the backyard of his house. He wasn't in he wasn't in a real recognizable uniform. And this guy's tactical Timmy, you know. I mean, he's he's ready to rock at any point in time. And uh it's not like he just starts shooting through the window, but at least he recognizes, hey, there's somebody there. He knew they were there. He he can then watch, observe, make a decision, and everything's cool. But if he hadn't and he was just surprised, then it could have been a it could have been a bad situation. Yeah, those are all really good tips, Craig. I just want to, just because on the tactical side, you you deal professionally with training and training with people that are ta- tactically aware all the time. I just want to press you a little bit more on the safety and security thing. Then I want to circle back around to this whole plan thing and give people a, a really simple strategy on how to get started today. And then we'll take a look at some gear. So do you have anything else to to throw in as, as far as uh, safety and security of your home. Okay. So th- I guess the big one is when s- somebody considers security as an alarm system for one, um, you know, a signage out front, something is, and this is another thing I used to teach in self-defense all the time, or I still teach in self-defense all the time is, you know, a beware of the dog sign or an alarm system sign. Even if you don't have it, even if you don't have a dog, put a beware of dog sign out. Because people, that, that threatens people. And if if somebody is an opportunistic thief or an opportunistic aggressor and they're looking at 10 houses and yours has a beware of dog and an alarm system sign on it and the other nine don't, they're going to go to one of the other nine. They're not going to go to yours. And so something as simple as that is beneficial. Um, secondly, as far as security, obviously you've got to consider uh, what kind of legal means and what kind of tools that you would utilize to do that, whether it's a firearm. Uh, and if you are going to utilize a firearm, you know how to, you need to know how to do it safely. And you need to know how to do it so you don't bring harm to the people that you love and care about. You know, it comes to mind that it's not going to be the middle of the day and everything's great and sunshine, peace and love and everything's going around when, when something like this comes out, I call it SPL, sunshine, peace and love. How do you like that? <laughs> but... But um, what, it's going to be in the middle of the night. Uh, it's going to be an aggressor that might be stealing packages off your front step or somebody's going to try to break into your home because, you know, the lights are off, right? Uh, in a disaster and everybody thinks, you know, nobody's at home because the uh, lights are off or something and there's opportunistic thieves or something. You know, if you can't see, then you don't know if the person that's coming in your door is is somebody that's in your family that's been missing and is coming home, or if it's an opportunistic thief, that's why something such as a flashlight, you know, as you know, we talked about EDC gear in one of the more recent episodes in the past. And that's why I always carry a flashlight. I mean, it's one of the, I mean, I, I carry a weapon for my self-defense too, but I don't wear my weapon without wearing a flashlight with it. Uh, because it's a, it's incredible tool that you can shine in the face of somebody and get them to back off and you don't have to bring harm to them tell them to get on the ground, back up whatever it is for your defense. And then, uh, and then, uh, if you need to defend yourself, you can defend yourself, but it's also something that, uh, you have to get training on. If you're going to consider firearms, you need to get training on how to store them. You need to get training on how to maintain them properly. And you need to get a lot of training on how to shoot effectively, particularly with other people in the house. And one thing we just kind of touched on gear there with, with the flashlight, uh, a tactical flashlight, I like a tactical flashlight and something above a thousand lumens. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of tactical flashlights. I mean, there's some things to consider, though. Here, here's some things to consider on that. Is that the way your eye works, if it's used to the dark and you shine a light, all of a sudden, boom, the light comes on, you're blind. You're just as blind as they are, especially if you've got white walls and everything gets what's it's what tactical community would call washout. 
you get a washout of what's in front of you and you're not going to be able to see much better than the person that's having the light shined on them. And so there's that momentary lapse of, oh man, I'm blind kind of thing. So even though you might be able to get this 25,000 lumen flashlight, that doesn't mean that maybe you should <laughs> in all seriousness. You, I mean, and you need to practice right. with it. And, and I do. I mean, I know it sounds funny because I said 25,000, <laughs> but I, I'm just trying to illustrate a point that can be a problem. Uh, and all my law enforcement friends say, you know, when seconds matter, the police are minutes away. That's, that's something to keep in mind. Milliseconds matter in that situation. So do you shine the flashlight and the person just rushes you? And if that's the case, you probably can't see them because you've just been washed out and you don't have vision either. I know a lot of guys and gals, and I'm one of them, I carry a strobe light, you know, a, a tactical flashlight has a strobe beam on it. Well, that's pretty difficult for me to recognize as well. If I'm using that right in front of my face, then that's really going to jack up my vision as well. And so that's something that, again, you need to train with. I mean, not just the handgun, you need to train with the flashlight too. So this brings us, I think, up to a really good point, Craig. And I, I think I think right now is a good time to talk maybe for a minute or two on personal self-defense. And I'm just going to throw in here just because we have it in our warrior level, level four on Patreon. We have two videos up there that are personal self-defense oriented. And you want to tell the guys a little bit about that and then maybe just speak to the fact of Maybe what are one or two simple steps people can take to maybe ensure their personal self-defense a little bit better this week than than last week? Yeah, I mean, the big one is avoidance and awareness. Well, let's consider the mindset of it first. The, the mindset is avoidance and awareness. Avoid whenever you can. Increase your awareness so you know when danger is coming your way. And that way you can see it and start getting prepared for it. And if you can run away, you run away. The best defense is to not be there, right? So run away when you can. I'm a big fan of understanding how physical assault occurs. And, and there's three ways that I like to break it down. You, you have predator-based assault. You have uh, ego-based assault. And you have assassination. Okay. Assassination, we can't do anything about. If somebody wants to assassinate me from a distance, there's nothing I can do about it. But ego-based assault, if I can control my ego, then I can control the situation as, as best I can. Road rage comes to mind when I think of ego-based assault. So if somebody's going to cut me off and flip me the bird and do all the kind of things that happen on in road rage, and I give it back to them and, and run up on them and, and sit on their bumper and, and, you know, going 55 mile an hour, then then that's ego-based, and they might assault me because they get angry. Predator-based assault is where somebody's going to, uh, they, they want to take your purse, they want to take your wallet, they don't like you because you took their job, and they're, gonna, they're going to actually be a predator and come after you. Uh, the best way to combat ego-based assault is to control your ego. The best way to control predator-based assault is to be more aware. You really can't stop that predator if they're coming after you, but you can get prepared for it. And that's why you need to know what's going on around you at all times. That I call it that, that Navy SEAL stare. You know, you're up, you're looking around. Uh, law enforcement officers are fantastic about this. This is why I love training with law enforcement because they're really, really good at that. The other thing to go further into this topic that, that we go into in the video is everybody carries five weapons with them at all times. Yeah, Craig, that's really good. So we've got two videos up right now on Patreon. One is called Five Life-Saving Self-Defense Tips. And we're going to cover reasons in that, that you need self-defense training and give you, give you tips in that video to get started. And the second video, and again, these are available like, like yesterday. These are available right now. It's five weapons that you always carry. So I want to throw in one tip on self-defense. And this gets back to, of course, working out. One thing that you can really do for self-defense it's just take care of your body today. Watch what you eat. Get some exercise. If you're not used to walking with a backpack, get out and just walk. Go to the gym at 4.30 in the morning like Ben and Craig do. Or, you know, whatever works for you. Just these little things. Little things can make a big difference. And one thing that you can invest in right now for your personal self-defense is just being in better shape. Yeah, absolutely. One of the I had lunch with a good friend of mine this week, uh, Dr. Brian Jones. He's got a PhD in exercise physiology, and I talked to him about being on a podcast. Uh, we're going to have him on somewhere down the road for two reasons, and, and I think he's agreed to do two different shows. He's going to talk to us about physical culture, how to go about becoming more mobile, strong, 
and you don't have to be a weightlifter. You don't have to be a yogi to be flexible. He, he, matter of fact, he's not a big fan of flexibility as much as he is mobility. That's the buzzword of the day is being able to be mobile in what it is that you want to achieve. Secondly, uh, at some point in time, we probably need to discuss martial arts and how it pertains. I think I mentioned in episode zero, my background in martial arts, but Dr. Jones is one of the guys that I train with. He, uh, I, I trained his students in active shooter takedowns. I have trained with him under his instruction. Uh, he's a, an advanced black belt in BJJ, used to be an MMA fighter. And so he, he's a muscle head. He's, when I say he's a muscle head and he's a fighter, he's an incredibly intelligent individual. He enjoys being disaster ready. And so he's the kind of guy that uh, we need to have on the show. So we're going to have him on somewhere down the road. Oh, that's awesome. I can't wait to meet him. Yeah, man. He's, uh, Jones is, Jones is a special dude, man. He, he scares the crap out of me. And I, I'm pretty much, <laughs> he's, he's one of those guys that, that I'm glad he is my friend. <laughs> Without a doubt. <laughs> and what does it say that I'm glad uh, you're one of those guys that I'm glad you're my friend, Craig? <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. So that just takes it up a notch. Hey, you know, I mentioned earlier you need to be honest with yourself about your strengths and weaknesses. <laughs> that is part of my strength, but this dude's <laughs> this dude's the bomb, man. So we'll get him on here. So let me just run through some categories out of planning. One, contact your area emergency management office. Two, develop a plan and discuss that with everyone in your home. Three, develop a communication and rendezvous plan. Four, get training now. And that's kind of where we're at for your personal safety then. Of course, we cover all kinds of stuff in between those to help you guys out. So you need to get that disaster readiness plan checklist. And then we talk about in there uh, making a packable disaster supplies kit that's portable. And that's kind of that's that's what we would term now as a bug out bag. We have a vehicle disaster supplies kit there, a roadside kit and survival items that you really need to have in your vehicle. We have a stay at home kit, which is actually the smallest of the kits because a lot of us have stuff around our house. Maybe let's let's key on in a few items since we're talking about mostly staying at home here. So Craig, once you Go ahead and, and give me one or two items that you think are really important for folks to consider having. First aid kit, without a doubt. And when I say a first aid kit, I don't mean go to Wally World. Uh, that's what we in Kentucky refer to as Walmart. Don't go to Walmart and buy that junky little adventure medical kit that costs $6 because that's not going to do it for you. You need to you need to get a more advanced kit. And I'm not saying adventure medical kits are bad. They're, 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 they make some really, really good kits. But more often than not... Uh, a lot of the really inexpensive kits are full of band-aids and maybe some fake forceps or something. I don't know. There's they're garbage. Okay, I'm going to throw out get band-aid brand band-aids. Okay, just just full stop get band-aid brand. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And, and I know it seems like a little thing, but I'd also just get some gauze and duct tape because that's a better band-aid than band-aid brand band-aids. Okay, so this is kind of two, but I I have them kind of lumped together, and but they're really not. One, you need a, an alternate non electric heat source about that i've got a kerosene heater for that purpose because our primary heat source it's simple isn't it simple a hundred bucks or less in your set yeah our primary heat source here is electric and i I lived in a different location several years ago we had a uh, power outage for several weeks like for eight weeks and uh, we lost uh, our primary heat source so Something as simple as a candle in a room that's closed off and everybody else is, everybody in the family is in one small room is going to help maintain your heat. When I say we lost heat, we lost heat in the middle of an ice storm. It was very cold. Uh, if I were to add another one, it would be simply things to layer so that you can move. I've got a video coming out on YouTube and Facebook on hoodies. I've got about too many. And so I just did a video on hoodies and the different fabrics. To give everybody an idea, wool loses about 60% of its effectiveness to keep you warm when it's wet. But it's better than cotton. So you need to understand these things and materials because they're important. If you have a lot of, for example, you have a lot of cotton blankets and that's all you have then you're going to be in trouble when things start getting wet, if they get wet. So uh, I would have layers, when I say layers, layers of clothing, and I would ha also have layers of blankets um, to uh, take care of somebody that's going to be in your home. Now here, where, where we live in the mountains of north central Pennsylvania, power outages are frequent. <laughs> they are absolutely frequent. To kill two birds with one stone, I have a pretty nice gas generator. So that gas generator, I can run that for an hour we can take showers, we can fill up bathtubs with water with 
about 100 gallons of fuel, I can go if we ration several months. You know what I do when I lose power? Yeah, go ahead, Ben. I go to dad's house. (laughs) (laughs) No, actually, I I really need to get a backup power source because that's literally what we'd have to do. (laughs) Well, you you all over there never lose power. Yes, so, but I mean, you don't you don't lose it like you need we to do. be prepared because you never know you could lose power at <laughs> oh any <my> moment. <laughs> it's a good thing that we've come on, join in, and let's learn together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Craig, you were about ready to throw something in there. A lot of people don't think water is that important, or they think it's just always going to come out of their sink. So that's all I was going to throw in. Nothing more than that. Yeah, yeah, man. Try to flush your toilets without water. You can flush your toilet with a bucket of water. You just throw it in there, and boom! It, most toilets are just going to go ahead and, and get that out of there and, and run down the drain. So there's your tip. <laughs> there's your tip of the day. <laughs> and Ben has shown up in a big way. All right, Craig, go ahead and give him one more essential. F- Home disaster supply from our supply kit. I know I mentioned it earlier, but uh, alternate light sources. Okay, so let's jump in and deconstruct a real-life story, take a look at what was done wrong and what was done right, and unlock its life-changing lessons. It's time for us to break it down. In this segment, what we're going to be doing is we're going to take a story from our experiences or from recent news. And today is going to be coming from recent news for the purpose of breaking it down and learning from it. We recognize this is something I wanted to been, I wanted to say a couple of weeks ago. I don't want to make sure that everybody understands this, that we recognize that hindsight is 2020. So David and I sitting here breaking this down, uh, we, we do not have any intention of negatively criticizing for the people that we bring up in our stories, not at all. Uh, each of us have had good and bad experiences. I think we've already shared a couple of even bad experiences that we've learned from. And so that uh, we want to make sure that we're all learning, but we're not hammering somebody. We're not being critical. Uh, with that said, I'm going to be sharing today's story. And here we go. At the time we are recording this, the number of people who remain missing in the wake of several ferocious wildfires that have been blazing across both ends of California for more than a week spiked to nearly 1,300 on Saturday. The two monstrous blazes, which both ignited last week, have claimed a total of 79 lives while laying waste to a total of nearly 400 square miles, according to the California Department of Forestry and Fire Protection. Officials there have said that 63 of the remains have been positively identified so far. The vast majority of these deaths, 76 total, were due to a campfire in Northern California's Butte County, making it the deadliest and most destructive wildland fire in the state's history. The number of people missing or unaccounted for in Butte County grew to over 1,000 by Friday and over 1,200 by late Saturday. Those figures may continue to fluctuate as authorities track down the names on the list, according to Butte County Sheriff Corey Honia. David, let's, let's break this down a little bit because this is the break it down segment. Check it out. And let's figure out, I've got a a few talking points I wanted to bring up. The first one, in my opinion, is that people had plenty of lead time to make a decision to stay or go. We, I think we talked about this when we were talking about hurricanes, but, uh, in this particular situation, people had a lot of lead time. Most people did. And I I think that's important that I know it's something that we're probably going to bring up on a regular basis, but if we are getting that lead time, we do not need to ignore it. We need to listen to it. Heat it. Start making the necessary preps if we haven't already made them. Start getting our gear together. Throw it in the car. Make sure it's ready. Make sure we got a full tank of gas. All these things that if something is coming our direction, let's say in this case a fire, then we need to be ready to rock and roll. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, my the one question that I had, Craig, when I looked at this is why do people stay? And I'm going to kick this back over to you because we've talked about normalcy bias a little bit, but what do you have to say about that? Why why the the flames are are burning? Gosh, they can they can change direction in a heartbeat and start coming in your direction and and it's just it's just bad out there. But what do you have to say? Why do people stay? It goes outside normalcy bias, that's for sure. I I think it's I think it's things. I think most people that surround us 
and each of us probably do, uh, me included. I'm, I'm recognizing that I probably have issues as well. There's just things that we do not want to leave behind. We don't want to consider the fact that everything in our house could burn up and we don't have it. And so well, we being tied into those things, we, we want to hang out and stay with it. And, and that's where normalcy bias does come in. We force ourselves to think that just because we're tied into those things, that everything's going to be okay. It's going to pass us up. That's the typical thing. It's not going to come here. Well, mm. we, we can't happen to me. Yeah, it can't happen to me. And I think the root of that in this particular discussion, uh, I talk about this in self-defense all the time too, but in this particular discussion is we are tied to those things. And as I say in self-defense, there is no phone or purse that's more important than your life. And there's nothing in your house more important to the people that love you and care for you than your life. And so the people that love and care for you would rather you leave and lose everything than deal with the fact that you have stayed there and possibly died. Point number two that I wanted to bring up is people need to develop an exit strategy and contingencies. Think about all the people, if you saw all the, the traffic during these fires, then people basically we're going the same way and humans are are animals we're we're animals in a way that we like to when we're stressed we go to the norm we go to the known and so uh if we have a normal way that we leave town for example then we need to have an ability to take another route we need to recognize it we need to know where it is we need to drive it and so we know what to expect on that contingency location because more than likely everybody else is going to be leaving the same way you are and so that's that's pretty vital. The third one was what was the origin of the fire? And, I, and I'm bringing this up just because we can stop these things from happening if we do some things. And that is contain your fires if you're in a forest. Meaning if you're going to be in a wilderness area, then do something to make sure that you clear the area so that you don't start a forest fire. And one of these, did you know this, how this one of these got fired, uh, started no, with a reveal? I uh, listen to this, man. He and his wife decided they were going to do a gender reveal. And so they went up on top of this mountain where all this dried grass was, set up a big tannerite bomb and shot it. And it blew up and started a fire. That's how 40,000 acres that got burned in California got started. The other one was started, I believe, I'm pretty certain, was started with an actual campfire. And so, number one, don't be stupid. Don't shoot off Tannerite in a place that's going to start a fire. And number two, if you're going backpacking, at least consider the possibility of going code camping. You know, I I met with our local Forest Service agent uh, yesterday, actually. One of the things that they're proposing is that they're going to ban all backcountry fires in this part of the forest. And and at this point, I used to think that was really problematic because I really enjoy a campfire. But at this point, because so much destruction is happening, the areas are getting to the point where, you know, they're, they're not a place that people want to visit. They're disgusting. So uh, consider that sometimes maybe just hiking without a campfire is a way to go. Uh, learn how to code camp. And if you do build a fire, then learn how to build it in such a way that you tread lightly uh, when you leave. Make sure that nobody knew you were there when you leave. Uh, fix it. Break the fire ring down. Put plenty of water on it. Bury the debris so it's not on top of the ground where everybody can see it. And Because what happens is people see that, that fire ring if you leave it, and then they just build another camp there. And then now you've got a huge camp and everything's trampled down. And, and we need to do something where we, what I like to refer to, tread lightly. The last part of this story is the story about the Toyota truck driver. Did you see this? No, I didn't. Where have you been, man? Do you read the news? <laughs> I, 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 come on. No, I've just been busy, man. I've, <laughs> that's why I come to this podcast so you, to hear the news and hear what I you have like to I'm say about it. I feel like I'm talking too much, but at the same time, I'm... I'm glad I am so I can inform you and keep you up to date. Uh, so there was a nurse that was working at a, I think it was a hospital and it might've been a retirement community or something. But anyway, this nurse took it upon himself to utilize his truck to carry people out of a zone that was getting ready to be engulfed by flame and he got them out. But in the process, he basically burned the whole side of his truck. I mean, his, it was a white Toyota Tundra and uh, it looked like a, a really well-cooked marshmallow over a campfire. It had that light brown tint to it, you know, and people were calling it the marshmallow truck and any number of things. He got all these people out and 
if he hadn't done it, they would have died. That's just all there is to it. Uh, the reason I bring this up is because, number one, this guy took the initiative to make things better. That's one of what I consider my top five things of a leader is somebody that's going to take the initiative to make things better. Uh, Toyota was kind enough to say, you know, you're my hero, boy, and I'm going to buy you a new truck. And they gave him a new truck. So what do we got coming up next? Ben, you got anything for us? Is that my cue? Why don't we transition and take a look at the mailbag? My part, finally! So, before we get started, I just want to point everybody to Patreon. That is where you can submit questions for us, and I will personally open your email nice. and read your question. Personal touch. I'm going like to submit <laughs> questions over there. All right. So the first question is from Bill G. The question is, what age do you believe is best to engage youth in wilderness skills and why? Craig, why don't you start? Age zero. Uh, the reason I say that is because the sooner the better. I have a lot of experience with this with my own children and Native American people did this for you know, eons, and that their children were immersed in it from the day they were born, in the womb in it, and they were in it from that point forward. And so it was a lot of lessons learned through osmosis just by being there. So uh, kids are really hardy humans uh, more often than not if we give them the opportunities to and we put them in a position where they can learn. It would be a struggle. My kids, you know, I'm 49, so my kids are adults now, but I could see where it would be considered it's not but it would be considered a struggle today to take kids who are very tied into electronic devices and take them to to the woods and despite what a lot of people would think that I probably have to say about this I am a big fan of those kids taking those electronic devices to the woods with them to transition away from using those tools in the outdoors meaning You know, have them take their phone or their iPad or whatever it might be, iPod or whatever, and have them take pictures of things outdoors. Let them use it. Get apps that are nature friendly so they can utilize those apps outdoors. And and then they'll discover a way to start learning and and loving it now. Uh, if, If you're hearing this podcast and you're looking at your kids and they're older and you think, man, I haven't done that. My kids are 12 or 13. They have no desire then try to find a way to transition from what you normally do to what you do to the outdoors. Meaning if you all normally have dinners together or you like pizza, for example, then figure out a way to get a pizza, keep it warm and take it to the woods and eat that pizza in the woods every now and then. Uh, And that way you're, you're taking something that is familiar and you're basically building a bridge from what it is that they're comfortable with and they already know to something that they're not comfortable with. Uh, this is the biggest mistake that people make in getting people and getting their kids in particular uh, ready for the outdoors is they, they take their kids from what they're familiar with and expect them to enjoy sleeping on the ground and eating food that comes out of a can when they're not used to doing that. And that's that's not smart. That's not the way to, to bring people along. Man, that's a long answer for a short question. Taking friends is a good idea to start with your kids. And that's a good way to transition too. Like if, if you if you have a different perspective than Craig, then I think the idea here, Craig, is to not go cold turkey when your when your kids and even your family or you are not used to the woods. Like really, really forcing that can can cause a bad taste that can keep somebody from really enjoying the surroundings around us. But the practical thing that Craig is saying is whatever that transition is, whether it's bringing some friends along, I totally agree with you, Craig, in the you know transitioning kids into. I'd say be willing to adjust your game plan because when you get out in the woods, especially with younger kids under like 10, you're going to have an idea in your head of what's going to happen. And the kids are going to have a totally different idea. And uh, if you stick to your guns, you're going to make it miserable for them. I would say just be flexible. Make like Craig was saying, just have fun, make it enjoyable. So I think we've come to a consensus of agreement that the best time to start is now. <laughs> That's the right? simple answer. The best time is now. That's right. If you haven't had your kids out, get them out now. If you if you have an opportunity to start them young, start them young. Lightning round question. Ten seconds or less. All right, go. Let's do this. All right, here we go. What's the question? <laughs> this is an anonymous question. 
And it says, I would like to know about skills. More specifically, which skills would you choose to learn first and why? And how can you make up for lack of skills with gear? This is going to challenge you guys. Ten, ten seconds on this question. Ten seconds. You could have done the other one. Ten seconds. I got it. You got ten it. Ten seconds. I Dad, you go first because Craig's got it. I would go with fire. You need to know how to make a fire. You need to procure water. You need to know how to make a shelter and keep yourself warm. And there. Eh, oh. Craig, go. Situational awareness. Be able to make sure that you pay attention to your surroundings. And you can avoid danger before you get into it. That's the way to take care of yourself in survival and disaster. Oh, man. Okay. You win, dude. You just just flat. You knocked that out of the ballpark. You did. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, guys. So we've had a good time here. And we're not quite done yet. But I just want to remind you here to join us over at Patreon.com, the survival show to subscribe. This will unlock additional podcast content and a ton of other fantastic as Craig says, fantastic rewards, including latest rewards that have been added, which we've got a lot of them, and Craig's going to talk about them here in a little bit. And I just want to challenge you guys right now, like, just honestly, if you value what we're doing here and you want us to continue on, I just want to challenge everybody that's listening to go ahead and partner with us for at least a dollar a month. Craig, you got anything else to say about all this? We just got some really cool stuff up, so The first video that went up that's available over there is on patreon.com forward slash the survival show is I did a video on three useful knots on how to tie them. I'm going to follow that up in the coming week or so on how to actually utilize those three knots in different uh, uses, whether it's an urban or wilderness related event. And for those that follow me regularly uh, on Facebook or on YouTube, You've seen me doing some woods walk videos and I've got my first one up for our Patreon channel as well. In that, I discussed the four foundations of survival, the things that every professional survival instructor, every person that's interested in survival need to know and how to go about developing those. And lastly, I developed disaster readiness checklist that we discussed earlier. And then David went in afterwards and added in a bunch of other really cool stuff. So it's a, we had this two pronged approach to making this disaster readiness checklist. And it literally is a step-by-step instructional sheet and, and an action plan on things for you to go ahead and do now that you can start right now being able to take better care of your family. Plus you can email me. Yeah, there you go. Okay, guys, coming up next on the Survival Show podcast, we're going to be covering survival mindset, ways that you can systemize and bulletproof your mind for life and survival-related events you don't want to miss episode four. So subscribe to the podcast now to ensure that you don't miss out on this or any episodes. And if you enjoy this podcast, help us out and please share it with your friends and go over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and a comment. They really do help out a lot. And finally, let's jump into our survival segment where we offer up quotes, passages, readings, or anything that we can find to help inspire you as well as ourselves. So from time to time, we'll look at the timeless wisdom books of Psalms and Proverbs, along with some other authors and sources that bring life-changing wisdom to the table for us. So today we're going to dig into one of my favorites, the book of Psalms, chapter 1, the first half of the chapter. Blessed is the person who does not walk in step with wicked people, nor stands in the path of sinners, or sits in the company of mockers, but instead he delights in the teachings of the Lord and reflects on his teachings day and night. He is like a tree planted beside streams, a tree that produces good fruit in season and whose leaves do not wither. He will succeed in everything he does. My challenge to all of us today is to honestly self-analyze and choose kindness, peace, and life. And walk away from things and people that bring pain, chaos, and death as we consider the wise words of Psalms chapter 1. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Have a great day, and we'll see you next time on the Survival Show podcast.